आई एम सादिया तारिक एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू धानी द पॉडकास्ट personal health conditions exposed her to the wisdom of hijama or wet cupping as more popularly known in the western world by profession she was a qualified medical nurse and immediately realized the benefits of hijama coupled with her own expertise and the rest as they say is history our guest today is sundas zuwali assalam alaikum sundas How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Sadia. I'm fine. Alhamdulillah. How about you? Very well and thank you for uh, being here on Thani. Thank you very much for inviting me. Not at all, not at all. You know, um for starters, um there is a gray area or there is a misconception or there is complete ignorance uh uh on the topic and on the treatment of hijama yes there is indeed lots of misconceptions and lots of people don't know about it and then when we say that it is sunnah then there is another raised eyebrow yes 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 indeed so can you please uh tell us the listeners um and and clarify any any kind of cobwebs that we or preconceived notions that we have about the treatment um with reference to islam of course yes so islamically the hijama hijama so the is the arabic word uh, in english we would call it the wet cupping uh is actually an anti-islamic practice so it was practiced and well known uh, by the arabs before the um, before the quran was revealed and before islam however the prophet ali sallallahu alaihi wasallam has um ha emphasized and her, the benefits of the cupping based uh, mainly on one hadith so the night uh, he traveled um the the isra uh, night when he traveled and visited the heaven um and the and saw all the angels when he came back that night he said i haven't met one angel who didn't tell me oh muhammad command order your community to practice hijama to have hijama done oh. so we can imagine how many mm-hmm. angels he uh, he met there and they all told him the same thing this shows the great mm-hmm. benefits mm-hmm. of uh, of hijama of course of course and this was not related to the faith on itself but more to the benefits on a physical level emotional and spiritual level so how would you say if someone comes to you um for treatment and uh, so how do you assess what needs to be done assume i mean i'm sure there is a, there is an entire set of questions that you ask them in terms of just assessing but how do you how do you assess on your on your own um as a, as an expert um and a, and a and a practitioner how do you assess what's going on with them and and that's the first question and then the other one is that can you differentiate between um a purely physical pain or an emotional pain manifesting itself in physical forms okay these are very good questions actually sadia thank you very much um the way so when i first meet with the patients 
I go through a consultation to go through the medical history, of course, but also to go through their complaint because the way I treat patients, the way I see hijama should be done is to start with the patients. The patients know themselves. They are the one who feels the symptoms, the whether the lack of well-being or whatever. So for me, it makes sense that we start with them, what they would like to treat, what areas um, are problematic to them, uh, if they have any pains, any discomforts, and so on. This mm -hmm. is the very first step. After that, I go through an observation um, step. When we do the capping, we mainly treat from the back, especially when if we want to reach the inner organs. So from the back, it's basically looking at the skin uh, that will give me information. For instance, I can see some signs of congestion in the digestive system area or in the lungs area. And that, with that, I will question the, the, the patient. It's like, okay, is everything okay, okay with this area or that area? Because obviously, my eyes are not a scan. So the, what I see is only information that I need to confirm with the patient. And with regards to the emotional uh, aspect, so yes, even physically, we can, um, we can see many things happening um, on the emotional level. So it works the same way. Each organ, let's say, or each part of the body um, refers or is linked to one aspect of our life. For instance, the heart is the emotions. So if the heart area and the digestive system as well seems to be congested, I will ask first, okay, how physically do you have any symptoms, uh, any high blood pressure or anything, or any uh, heartburn or things like this? And if they say no, it's like, okay, and how are you feeling in terms of your emotions, in terms of your stress level, in terms of your anxiety? And usually these as well explain the congestion that I can observe. So it is, uh, as you're saying, in, in being in constant dialogue with the patient. Absolutely. The way I treat patients is, so I do have a certain knowledge in the capping, but they do have the knowledge of their own body and their own life and their own mind. Sure. So it is together that we work uh, to, to make them feel better. Me alone, I cannot do much. Sure, sure. So say someone is, is, is complaining of lower back pain. Yeah. Um, and you, so what is the, the, the real process of, of cupping? Then what do you do if they have pain in the lower back? Okay, so it do you, you make incisions? Yeah, so it depends. I mean, I will, first of all, try to find out the reason of these back pains. Uh, for instance, it can be if the muscles, the lumbar muscles are very weak, these can cause back pain. A bad posture can also cause mm -hmm. back pain. However, a lower back pain can also be related to a shoulder misalignment because of the hips. Also ah. So one on one side, the muscles will be pulled, pulled, um, pulled down. Uh, this is one uh, an explanation. Also, we'll all very often ask: Is the is the pain worse when you are on your period or just before? Uh, because we know that um, our hormones and our right. cycle will also affect all our body. It's a bit like uh, when we give birth, the contraction can be felt in so many different ways. Some women will feel it more on the tummy, some others more on the back, some others sure. on the legs and so on. So it's important to determine what causes the pain so that we can treat the reason of the symptoms and not only the symptom. Right. And how, or what would generally, what organ would be correlated with lower back pain, internal organ? 
Internal organ is usually muscles. It, it can be kidneys, but it's extremely rare and it's usually very acute and people will uh, go to see their GP before calling me. Uh, for instance, if there is a kidney infection, a UTI which went up oh. and now because of the infection, that can cause very bad um, lumbar pain. Some stones as well in the kidney, it causes terrible pain, but the first reflex, and it's a good thing that patients do, is to go to their GP. This will be treated firstly uh, medically, and then we can work on why did they build up this stone and what's happening there. So the, the capping in that case would be on this, um, would come at the second time. With you practicing in the UK, yeah. how open uh, are people generally to this mode of treatment? So it depends, actually. I have different types of patients. Some patients who knew um, the hijama from back home are quite happy to uh, to carry on. Mm -hmm. uh, some people who, whether discover it or discover that it is a sunnah, we also be happy to do it that way. And we, I also have another type of patients who are more um, happy to, to try alternative therapies. Mm -hmm. So whether the allopathic, the, the, the Western uh, medicine, meaning when we go to our GP or to hospital, hasn't given them um, enough support or the help that they needed, so they are trying the, um, the capping as an alternative. Mm -hmm. But I'm just thinking it's generally really not recommended by the GPs, by the NHS, or is it? Or is it? So it is a shame, actually, because it's not recommended by the mm. GPs. Uh, mm. One of the main reasons is simply that they don't know much about it. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. lots of GPs, uh, when they don't know about something, they prefer to say, oh, it doesn't work, rather than, sure, I don't know anything about it. You need to do your own research. Unfortunately, there is a legal liability there, is that if they advise something, uh, to a patient, they will also be, um, they might be responsible if something goes wrong. Correct. Correct. And in, but what can go wrong in cupping? Just thinking. Okay, so there are unfortunately lots of bad practices, especially here in the UK, ah. because it, mm -hmm. is, um, it is legal to uh, practice the cupping, but there is no mm -hmm. regulation, which means that anyone can come and say, okay, I'm going to open a clinic and start treating people. And even the course mm. today, uh, proposed today, they are many courses. The problem is that people who provide the course, the trainers, most of them have no medical background. So far, I have heard about, mm. well, I know one course uh, provider, which is really serious. The other ones, they propose you trainings like over a weekend or sometimes just an online training. And there we go. They tell you, fantastic. You gave us your money. We're going to give you your certificate. And now you can start treating people, which is really dangerous. And there are also people who learned mm -hmm. back home mm -hmm. and who practice in a very dangerous way in terms of cross-infection, in terms of um, in terms of hygiene, in terms of oh. recommendation, in terms of the equipment that they use, and so on. We hear, unfortunately, a lot of bad stories, people uh, cleaning up the cups rather than dispose them when we know that it is, we cannot disinfect them. Some people not oh. using any gloves and treating many patients at the same time. It is medically horrible to do that. And it is extremely dangerous. And unfortunately, there's no regulation. Mm. Right. 
Right. So are you saying that not every practitioner has a medical background? I know you do. Absolutely. Actually, we are quite a few who have a medical background. Right. Most of the practitioners today do not have any medical background. And then I'm just thinking it's so essential to have that medical background because then it kind of weaves in so seamlessly. So, okay, going back with your medical background, how do you explain this? the entire healing process um, scientifically? There are some research. We don't know everything. It is still a great mystery, to be quite honest. However, what we know is, uh, for instance, there is a research which they basically analyze the blood which comes out uh, when we do the cupping. They find out that it is mainly composed of damaged cells, anything which is in excess in the body, People who have uh, cholesterol, for instance, we will have lots of cholesterol coming out in that blood, uh, lots of damaged cells, and they were very few healthy cells. So this clearly shows that there is a natural filtration of the blood which comes out. So basically the healthy blood remains inside the body when the unhealthy uh, cells and all the components of the blood come out. That is the first ah, point. The second okay. point, which the same thing, we don't really understand, but this is something that we observe. When the incisions, which much, must be extremely superficial, I, I talk about scratches really, I mean, more than incisions. When they are done properly, the bleeding will stop on its own. So basically, we really work mm -hmm. with the body and the body knows, okay, now I re uh, released enough blood I'm going to deal with the rest now. So it's weird, really weird with... Oh, right. So basically, uh, we know that, you know, the body does heal itself. So you are releasing the congestion and then you're encouraging uh, the cells to multiply and um, to heal it um, itself, right? Absolutely. Right. Yes. So the, the hijama, the, the wet capping, is a two-step process. The first step is the session on itself, the withdrawal of some blood. And after that, we know that the body will start building up lots of new white cells, which, is a, which are an important part of the immune system. And these new, fresh uh, white cells will then scan the body, and especially the areas that we treated, to fix what needs to be fixed and to repair what needs to be repaired. So that's why it is a natural healing process. The wet capping um, therapy, the hijama, boosts the na natural healing capacity of the body. Mm. And I personally believe that this is why it has been highly recommended by the Prophet. Mm. Yeah, it just, it just makes more sense now. Exactly. So you're saying that the more the blood comes out into the cup, that means there is uh, the more the healing? Or no? So, not exactly. The amount of blood depends on many factors. Uh -huh. One of the main factors is the amount of fluid available in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remember that the body has a very good safety system, which means that if the, the amount of fluid is just enough for the normal functioning of the body, the body will not allow lots of blood to come out. Otherwise, it will go on hypovolemia, so will not have enough fluid to affect the heart the body will not allow that. And again, this is if the scratches are done properly. Some people go too deep, so they have no control on the bleeding and the body, the, the patient mm. starts bleeding too much and so they can faint and so on. So it depends on this. It depends mm. also on the amount of toxins. The more toxins 
are located in an area, the more bleeding we will have. That extends as well that when we treat different parts of the body, some areas will bleed more than others. Right, right. Got it. Got it. So, um, I know it's a really broad question, but what kind of ailments are we looking at uh, that uh, this um, uh, hijama takes under its umbrella? Okay, so because the hijama is a natural boost, the natural healing capacity, whatever the body can heal itself, we can help it with the hijama, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which means that an infection, for instance, can be helped. Mm -hmm. Arthritis mm -hmm. can also be helped. Now, it all depends on what we call healing. Obviously, if a joint is completely damaged by arthritis, hijama will not restore the joint. Or something which has been damaged because of aging, hijama will not repair the aging. This is natural. This is a natural process that we cannot do much about it. Okay. In that case, we will treat symptoms and the comfort that uh, the hijama can bring in a patient's life. Mm -hmm. However, there are conditions, for instance, if we say a cancer, a very developed cancer, mm. I will never say that hijama can cure a cancer. Some people might think or whatever. There are some conditions where the hijama must be a complementary therapy rather than an alternative one. Same thing with high blood pressure. We can help to reduce the blood pressure and to balance it with the hijama. However, we cannot, we must not say, tell a patient to stop his medication. They must refer sure. to the GP who will reduce the medication when the blood pressure will reduce as well. Okay, yeah, I got it. So it is an alternative um, method of healing. However, you will not interfere if there is, if the patient is under some sort of medical care as well. Absolutely. In the same way that I'm not the one who have assessed them medically, I'm not the one who has prescribed their their medicine, I will not be the one who will stop them. Mm -hmm. In that case, it is a complementary therapy. And it is even dangerous to tell them, stop going to see your GP, just come to see me, everything will be fine. No, that is absolutely wrong and it is unprofessional and unethical to do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And it does... Um treat um, uh, things like anxiety, depression, insomnia, eating yes, disorders? Absolutely. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, it helps a lot. I mean, if we look at today the way the allopathic medicine, the way the GP treat whether anxiety, sleeping um, issues or whatever, they will give some drugs. So which means mm -hmm. that through the body, we can reach the mind. With the hijama, we can do the same, but without any drugs. So by... So true releasing some of the muscle tensions or by releasing some of the uh, symptoms or whatever, we can reduce the anxiety, we can reduce, uh, we can make people feel better. And this is something that most patients feel straight after the session. And then um, I remember you once mentioned that the healing continues for good four to six weeks after the treatment. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As we said, the, um, the hijama will trigger a boost of the immune system. So then after the session, the body will start building up lots of, uh, lots of new white cells and they will scan the body, do the job. And as far as the job is not completely finished, they will try as much as possible, the body will try as much uh, as possible to send new cells in these area to, to treat, mm -hmm. to treat mm -hmm. it. And these can take a week, two weeks, four, six weeks, depending on what we are treating. 
Right. So generally, in in, in chronic cases, you probably would do a session, say, every four weeks to four to six weeks. Uh, it can be, yes, every four to six weeks until we reach a level of symptom or a level of comfort that the patient is happy with. For sure. instance, with uh, arthritis, this is what I suggest every four weeks until the patient is able to manage uh, the symptoms and to have a good pain management, basically. What are the do's and don'ts of this treatment uh, pre and post? What are the things that you recommend before the patient comes in and then after the treatment's done? So it is very um, easy. Before the treatment, I allow to drink lots of water. I mean, up to two to two and a half liters. Uh, if it is end of the day, obviously not in the morning. To have enough fluid in the body to allow uh, the blood to come out without risking the, the blood pressure to, to, to go down. Uh, that is mainly this. Mm -hmm. And also, there is, uh, it is better to have the treatment on an empty stomach. This is based on a hadith of the Prophet, who said that hijama is better when done on an empty stomach. Empty stomach means we stop eating mm -hmm. three to four hours before the treatment. It's like uh, if when I was working in A&E, when people came and they had to have an, um, a surgery for to remove the for an appendicectomy. Um, what we say is that okay, when was the last time you ate? You we must wait four hours after your last meal to make sure that there is nothing on your stomach. Mm -hmm. I think we understand it. Um, we can understand it because we know that the digestion is always a priority for the body. For instance, uh -huh. that's a uh -huh. well that uh, after a lunch, especially if it's a heavy lunch, we feel very tired because the blood flow is, is then focused on the digestive system. It's a very mm -hmm. a huge w effort and work for the body. So mm -hmm. if the body is already focusing on the digestive system and we start the treatment, whether the blood pressure goes to down or it will be too much for the body, the patient might not feel very well. On top of that, it might not be as efficient. We want the body to focus on the areas that we will treat. So we say, let us not uh, involve any digestion. So that's why four hours before the treatment, we don't eat anything, but we keep drinking. Water is absolutely fine and we must keep drinking even during the session. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. after the session, um, locally, we just need to apply some oil uh, because the scratches will dry and that might be a little bit itchy. So just applying uh, some oil mm -hmm. to help them, the skin healing and also to stay very healthy in what we are going to eat. Because let's remember that after the treatment, the body will start a great general healing. And the same thing will happen. We don't want the body to be too busy with a heavy digestion. So what we say is stay away from any kind of heavy oily food and also to stay away from junk food definitely and we can stay away from any protein mm. animal proteins as well because we know that they're quite heavy mm -hmm. and difficult to digest the body needs to break down every cell and then to restructure them to be able to digest them we say this is this will slow down the the healing process and might make the patient feel very very tired unnecessarily I was talking to a cousin of mine and she told me that someone recommended um, in Dubai, they said that men in any case are recommended to go for cupping simply because they, um, women manage to lose, um, you know, blood 
during their monthly cycles. Okay, I don't agree with that. It's like based on this theory, some people even say that women don't need any cupping until they reach menopause. The blood that we use during our uh-huh. period is related to the uterus and is very focused on the uterus. It is not a full, a full body, a clean thing. Okay, it is just like the endometrial, the endometrial yes. will be yes. built up and if, it's not, if not used for pregnancy, then the body will need to get rid of that. So I don't really agree saying that men need it more because they don't have their period. The period blood is something comp- entirely different. Mm-hmm. Recommended and got it, got it. Sorry, I, and men sorry, can sorry, have more uh, simply because they do have. I mean, usually they have a less healthy life, lifestyle than women. They are more keen to eat junk, to drink um mm. less water and so on let's say that we as women we have to look after our health maybe more carefully than men because our hormone will be affected and and so on and usually even the society i mean there is a bigger pressure mm. on women to stay healthy to stay fit and so on rather than uh, more that this is stronger on women than than men generally what's your um, in terms of how uh, genders what women come more to you or men or an equal number so um well, as much as i can i mean prefer to focus on women uh mm-hmm. because there is already a lot to do uh, there are also men who practice hijama i know um, two three clinicians sure. who have a medical background and who do um, a professional and a serious uh, job, so I'm happy to recommend them. Uh, and otherwise, yes. And again, it is based on um, on an Islamic perspective. As far as we have women who do it, uh, women practitioners and men through um, each gender. I mean, there is no if there is yeah if there is oh, like a uh, man uh, therapist or female therapist then definitely the need would be there. And even religiously, it's like going to your GP or whatever. If there is only a man available, you'll just, you'll go to, to see him. I'm just curious, you know, while you were talking, I'm just curious, what what drew you to hijama? Sorry, say that again. You were working. I, I'm saying you, you were working, medically trained. What made you um, go interested and then and go for the hijama and then become a practitioner? Okay, so I've always been interested in alternative uh, therapies. I was happy, I mean, to try different things. And what happens is that um, one day I started having weird symptoms. With my medical background, I could see that this, um, I couldn't find myself any medical explanation. So still, I mean, I went to see my GP, who was quite puzzled as well, didn't understand what was happening. We tried several treatments. Uh, the symptoms became quite disabling uh, for me. And someone told me about this. Um, I didn't even know what it was. So I, I've never heard. I said, okay, what is this? Mm. Can you tell me more? He told me, oh, it's about this, 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 and that. He told me it's a sunnah and this. To be quite honest, at the beginning, I was a bit scared. So, okay, it's a sunnah. Does it mean that it is uh, practiced like in, uh, in the back room of a shop or how this is going to be? So I checked online and I looked around me. And I found um, a medical student who was doing it. I said, okay, that sounds pretty well. So I went to see her and very quickly, my symptoms simply disappeared. I was just 
amazed. So I said, hold on, mm-hmm. I'm struggling with doctors for months now. We don't have any explanation. Today, I still don't have an explanation, but actually I'm feeling better. So I started researching about it. I started reading the different um, paper, a research paper published. I started uh, reading books about it. And then I decided to come to the UK because it is uh, easier, easily, easier sorry, to, to practice here. And, and I found uh, a doctor actually who practiced hijama. I asked him to if he can train me. He accepted, so I followed him. Uh, he trained me, he gave me different um, exams and everything. And yeah, this is how I, uh, I learned it, but I've tried it myself. This is mm. how I came to, to, to it. And I saw, I mean, the, it was almost a miracle, I mean, to, to, to be quite honest. And and you truly are wonderful. I mean, honestly, you do have magic fingers. And I, you know, I've said that to you so many times. So you, you're blessed, blessed, really, really. Um, uh, I'm just thinking that this is a medium that needs so much of um, exposure. And if only people would find out the benefits, um, it might just put um, <laughs> the, the, the drug companies um, into bankruptcy because um, and it just one wonders that why all these years it's never come up. Um, and it's never been told. Um, people are um, reluctant to practice it. But uh, I guess through people like you who have a medical background and who are hands on with with its uh, historical significance, um, it could reach places. I believe and it's got to reach places, really. I mean, I, I believe so. When we look at the results of uh, hijama, even when someone feels very down, feels anxious, uh, dealing with depression and so on. I mean, the the results are really, really um, excellent. Something else I think that we need to say is that the, the way I practice the hijama, I try to make it holistic, which means that I do see information sent by the body, whether concerning the body itself or the mind, but I will also try to make the patients speak about what is happening. And through the session, I will... I will try first to make them verbalize, uh, to, to tell me their worries, their concerns, their fears, and so on, with no judgment. I think this is something extremely important, is that whatever's happening, there is no judgment. It's just what happened to them, all the way they felt um, this event or that event or whatever, and the way it, uh, it has impacted them. And during my session, Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it is. I mean, that I believe so it important. is. And during my sessions, I will also try to propose, dif- propose them different ways to think about whatever happened or to, to see things a little bit differently. So we work, with, let's say, with my mind, I work on the body, but also with my mind, uh, sorry, with my hands, I work, I work on their body. And with my mind and my words, I try to make them move forward from where they are for them to be able to carry on their life and to see things in a different way so they are not in in the same place then they don't stay stuck where they are they are able to to move on i think that is very very important because it's like someone struggling with depression the gp can give tablets i can apply cups but if we don't look at what's happening inside and propose different ways to move on, the patient will still be stuck. He might not feel the symptoms as bad as it was, 
but still, as far as they are there, the, the problem won't be solved. I I so agree with you because sometimes just being listened to non-judgmentally and with compassion just kind of takes care of half the problem anyway. Yes, yes, and sometimes our relatives or our friends are not necessarily the best people to do so. This is not sure. a way. It's just the way people are around us, and sometimes we don't necessarily uh, want to speak about some things that happen, so the way we feel, the, um, what we think to, to, to people, whether because they will worry too much, whether because we don't feel comfortable speaking to them. So sometimes having a person, let's say a neutral person that you are free not to see anymore in your life can be very helpful. And this is also what I try to do. It's really a holistic, mm. you cannot treat the body without treating the mind and we cannot treat the mind sometimes without treating uh, treating the body yeah and if all uh, kind of medical practitioners would have that view it would just make this world uh, so much better i believe so i believe so but we are not there yet <laughs> but you're there and you're getting there and uh, it has been just wonderful um talking to you for the insight that you've shared and i hope to god that everyone who's listening um um tries hijama at least once and discovers the benefits um that it has to offer um and may your practice thrive manifold thank you so much sundas thank you so much thank you very much i mean if there is one advice that i can give to people who never tried it is first of all uh look at someone with who has a medical background that is really essential because without medical background that puts you in a higher risk of bad practice cross infections and so on and the second thing is people are scared and i can understand that because we are dealing with blood the calves when we look at it i mean it can look very scary what i tell my patients especially when it is the first time is that we will take our time i will rely on you if the pressure that i apply in the cup is too is too strong the cup is too tight just let me know and i'm happy to lose it because i work with the body if the body says this is too much then i step back and i take it more easily and i'm happy to do that and something else that i tell them is that sure. if you are free to stop the session at any time Okay you are absolutely free even after one mm. cup or whatever and to be quite honest I'm practicing this now for for over 5 years I never had any patient who stopped the treatment because it was painful or whatever totally understand and such a valid and relevant uh, advice thank you so much thank you very much Sadia thank you then bye bye without this bye have this Dear listeners, thank you for listening. All suggestions, ratings and comments would be most welcome. See you next time. Bye.